Welcome to episode 500 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, a team, welcome along to episode 500 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm good. We'll shout up. Just had a nice little bunch ride and ready for number 500. I did it um, up this morning because I'm, you know, I'm training for a marathon, so you got to do some running. So this morning I did a 90-minute run with 45 minutes of hill repeats. And there's a run in Auckland called The Bullet. Have you heard of that? I have not. Oh, it's it's not that long. It's only like two minutes up, but it's a... Yes, if you're in Auckland, I'm sure you know the bullet, so I'm, I'm now a bullet member. I'm now visually scarred because I've got to sit here with Bevan's webcam on and he's sitting there topless. I'm in this hotel room, John, and they don't have aircon. And I've never had Auckland weather so hot consistently every day. I came up last Friday and it's been probably 30 degrees every day. It's ridiculous. So, John, I'm not just not wearing a top. You don't want me to stand up either. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. 500, 500 episodes, Jumbo. It's actually probably way more than 500 because of all the extra episodes we've done, but this is officially episode 500, so today's going to be a slightly different show. It is indeed, but we've still got some good old regular content in there as well. So uh, before we get into it, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our fantastic patrons. We've got Nick the Admiral, or... John, let's call him the nose. Nick the Admiral Rose. Mark the Unpredictable Wiltshire. Brian Funny Guy Fallon. Adrian Fooey Fooey Moy. Michael Meat Muncher Egan. Ooh, that's, a, that's a bit of a rough one, isn't it? Nice. <laughs> and uh, so this week's show, guys, what have we got? We've got? We're going to throw some few random quizzes. And now, John, what I've done is I haven't looked at the answers. Nor have I. Oh, okay, nice, nice, good. So I've kind of tried not to find the answers, so we'll do it throughout the show. We've got some news. We're going to do some statistics around some of the show stuff over the years. Uh, we're going to do a high five, a website of the week, and then we're going to interview with who, John? With Sarah Gross. Uh, so a number of you guys may have already heard interviews with her. She's been uh, doing the podcast circuit this week. Um, so we approached her around joining the Bahrain Endurance team and uh, just some of the issues around that. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, guys, uh, news. Jumbo, there's... Big weekend this weekend, we've got the Dubai 70.3 happening, and also got the 70.3, oh no, no we haven't, no, just the Dubai. Dubai, yeah. and, it, and it should be big news, but it really isn't. Uh, so we've talked about this the last few weeks, Dubai is the first round of the $1 million mm. triple crown. Now what has changed since last week, or maybe it was the week before when we were talking about this, Last week when I was checking the website for the Triple Crown, it had Dubai, which is um, coming up this weekend, and then uh, it had 70.3 in Austria, where they had the 70.3 world champs last year, which seemed kind of odd to me. Uh, so now it has been changed, and maybe this was the beginning, but they hadn't updated the website, I'm not quite sure, but it is now the 70.3 worlds, which are in Australia, which is in September the 10th. And then the finale is in Bahrain, 70.3 on December the 10th. So similar sort of format to this year, but they changed it to being the, the world champs, which I think absolutely changes everything about this series because 
to win a standalone 70.3 in Bahrain or um, Dubai is, is hard enough in its own right. But then to actually go to 70.3 worlds when you have the, the short course guys coming up and you have all the big kahunas there, I think that makes this task a hell of a lot harder. And uh, I think there's only going to be one maybe of each six uh, in the running by the time we actually get to the end of the series. Well, to be honest, we may not even get that because, like, let's say you get a, 70, a short course guy coming mm. across and they haven't done the first race, well, then it's, mm-hmm. you know, like if we get a, 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 like a Gomez come across and win like he did a couple of years ago, um, then that cancels out everyone then. It does. And, and the field, so the field for Dubai this weekend, it's all right. But, you know, when we keep, compare it to what we had um, at Bahrain and stuff when they really announced this as being the, the challenge sort of series and, and a complete game changer, it is, uh, it's a good field, but it's certainly not what you call a championship field. So really on the guys' side of things, you got Jan Fredino and uh, Terenzo Bozzoni and Bart Aronotz, and those are the three big names. You know, out of them, you've got to say that Jan Fredino should uh, should smoke it, depending on what sort of shape he's in, and he's a guy that could win all three races. Terenzo, you'd say, has got a chance. I mean, he hasn't won a 70.3 world title Yes, he is. Um, no, he did, didn't and, he? But, um, no, no, he has, but so maybe not recently. Oh, okay. He's been in great form, and he's, he's got the potential to do it. And Bart Aronotz, uh, he's he's also got the potential to do it. Um, but, yeah, you'd, you'd certainly, if you're a betting person, you put it on Jan Fredino. But uh, no, nobody else like Gomez or you know Andreas or Michael Raylert or a lot of the, the other big hitters, 70.3, some of the Aussies. Um, not there, so yeah. Well, it's even more interesting in the female field because you've only really got Reef and Stefan. Yeah, you know, you know, of that level. I mean, there's a few other good girls. You know, you got Corinne Abraham oh, yes, and, and people there. like yep. that. But but again, guys, you'd say Daniela Reef is a shoe and Caroline Stefan potentially could do it, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put a lot of money on her at 70.3 Worlds when all the girls are there. Mm. But there's no reason why she couldn't win one of the races, but to win all three, I think, would be a, uh, be a long shot. So I suppose the question is, John, because they gave the, mo- the money away last year, and if the objective is to kind of promote the sport, because let's be honest, other than Reef and Fredino, it, it doesn't look like it, you know, it's... Well, it may go this year, but there's got to be a way, better way of giving the million dollars away. Mm, you know what absolutely. I mean? Like because it's it's like it's such a cool opportunity, and it just doesn't seem that this is the best way to do it. Because look at the field here. Like you want you basically what you want to have is three strong races, don't you? Mm, you mm. know, and it hasn't you know it hasn't clicked in. I'm not quite sure. You know, like maybe they do three races in three weekends or three races over a six week period. You know, so you, everyone knows that I'll peak for this time of the year. I'm like, I'm not quite sure, but it, at this moment in time, if this is something they're going to continue on with, it's mm. not really hitting the mark yet, is it? No, I mean, not much. Uh, yeah, there's there's so many different things they could do. You know, like the, that Island House uh, Triathlon where mm. they did that sort of three or four days in a row. Something like that, I think, would have a lot more appeal. I'm going to get a lot more media coverage, whereas, yeah, I'm, I'm picking up on this because I'm actually physically going to their website. There's not really any press releases going out. None of the other websites are really, news websites are really picking up on it. So it's, um, 
Yeah, it's just a bit odd. Just John, when were the Australian World Champs? When are they? They're in September. September oh, so tenth. That time of year. Okay. Yeah. Um, prize money for this race is still your pretty typical seventy point three. The winner will take home twenty k, paying down to seven fifty for tenth. So that's pretty much. And, and, and the difference here, when they had the original challenge race, and why they got such a big field is that was a big a, paid a lot of money, yeah. and it paid quite deep as well. So you knew if you didn't have a fantastic race. You'd still go home with a little bit of money, whereas in this one you get tenth, you get seven hundred and fifty bucks. So another piece of news that came out this week, Ironman announced the acquisition of how's that one, John? Legade Air. Legade Air Sports Endurance Division, which run a massive amount of races. So this is a massive acquisition, isn't it? It's um yeah, I really need to find out what their motivation is here. So they basically Legade Sport run a lot of the ITU World Championship series races. So Abu Dhabi, Cape Town, Hamburg, Leeds, Stockholm, and then there must there's a few other races in the series that um must be run independently. They also have a bunch of cycling events. For us Kiwis, um, it is of reasonable significance because they run some big events down here. We've had the Queenstown Marathon, which Bevan went down to, and that's a second-year race, and it's growing pretty quickly, and they've got another one in, in um, Hawke's Bay. There's the Hamburg Marathon, which I'd imagine is huge, and then there's a few other multi-sport events around the world. So The, the Motor Tap, John, that's the one I'm doing. They own that I one. Know, I know. Get my money back to the WC2C again, John. I wonder if you, you might get some AWA points or something like that. I might that. get one of those trophies we're going to talk about later, John. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite interesting. And, um, yeah, there's lots of different angles why they may have done it, and we can uh, assume all we like. But I, taking it from a positive point of view, my hope by them doing this is with the ITU production of those events, they have fantastic um, coverage of the events in terms of a really polished media presentation. And I would hope that by acquiring them that might be one of the reasons why they did it they can bring that across to iron man produce better quality shows and hopefully maybe have a better distribution network and so we see consistent iron man coverage uh on tv on the internet around the world because you know especially even just us triathletes you know, I'd love to be able to just go onto YouTube or the Ironman YouTube channel and, and watch, you know, different Ironmans from around the world, but it's just not available. So, and the coverage is often, but if, if it is, it's uh, somebody's just hacked it off and, and put it up there. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's the optimist in me is hoping that that might be the angle they're going for. Could also think that they, they're, they're trying to diversify into non-triathlon events with cycling and running. Um, I really doubt that there's very much money to be made at all in ITU World Series races. Um, you know, you, you have you used to have an age group race there, and, and often they do quite well. But maybe there's but a lot I, of money in the contract. Yeah, because um, so. when you think of like you know they're doing like Queensland Marathon, that that must make a lot of race. I mean, sorry, that race must make a lot of money. Um, and so, you know, they've got some big races, this, this company that they've just taken over. And some of the cycle races, I'm sure, bring in some pretty good coin. So they wouldn't have been doing ITU just for the love of it. No, but there may be more to just acquiring events that may be the skills that that company brings to the table as well. So, um, yeah. Well, it's interesting, it's interesting when we think about WTC as a company now. You know, traditionally it was just Ironman and it's branched out into triathlon. Now it's definitely an events company, isn't it? Broad mm. spectrum, if you know what I mean. Like it's it's kind of becoming the world dominant events company in some ways. Not that I know many of the others, but you know, like look at some of the events it's got now, and if it keeps acquiring some of these types of events, we're we're seeing a, a, a broadening of their business strategy, aren't we? 
yeah, and you just hope that you know races don't get lost and it doesn't doesn't. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's, there's lots of positives there, and I just I'd love to see um, more polished Ironman coverage and on mainstream media would be fantastic. It'll be interesting to see, and you know, for those people who do these races over the next few years, just keep in contact with us and just see. Do you notice a shift, or is it very much the same? Because the races are picked up, like the ones I know of and I've had experience with, are all very, very professionally run races. Mm. You know, so pretty interesting stuff. Okay, Jonbo, we've also got another race coming up this weekend. We've got Israel Man coming up. The Israel Man, and uh, my God, that must be a hard day at the office. Um, Aaron, the interpreter Hurwitz, sent us through an email, said the bike course has a total climb of 3,188 metres. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> That's right up there with the very biggest climbing races anywhere in the world. So, uh, yeah, it looks like an epic day. So good luck to everybody doing Israel Man. So we've got a bit of random news this week, and it's, it's a bit anonymous at this stage, and we're going to see if we can get some more research to get some more information about it. But um, we just heard of a guy who's fundraising – got a fundraising spot for Kona. So kind of like what happens in like the big marathons, like the London, and it's about £7,000, isn't it? You've got a fundraise to London or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but you can get the, the charity entry. And apparently, and we probably do a bit more research on this one, but to fundraise to get a, and get a Kona slot with a fundraising slot, this person has to fundraise £50,000. He's doing a great job. He's up to £17,000, which yeah. is a lot of money. Yeah. So So... I've never heard of these things before. Oh, they, they do the eBay auctions where they uh, they auction them off and they go for sort of thirty to fifty thousand from memory. So, yeah, you want to go to Kona and you don't want to do twelve Ironmans, you don't want to qualify, find yourself fifty k, fundraise it, you're in. Someone sent us through an email this week. Um, someone's in America suing the U, um, New York Marathon. It's oh, a shocker. That is a, that's shocking, isn't it? They want like twenty million bucks or something, don't they? Yeah. Because the lottery they claim is unfair and illegal. Fair enough if it is, but going and suing them for that, it's just, God, some people need to get a life. Get a life, team. Get a life. John, we've got another exciting race coming up in Australia. This looks wicked. The Australian Alpine Ascent, or the Triple A. It's going to be a 3K swim, 130K ride, and a 30K run. And what's kind of unique, it's it's a little bit Norse-man-ish like. It's certainly not quite to the same extreme. It's in the Snowy Mountains in New South Wales, and I'm lucky enough that I've actually done more or less this course. So you swim 3K in Lake Jindabyne, and then you go out for a 130K bike ride, which is uh, pretty hilly, and you end up, finishing at uh you go over charlotte pass and then you run up to the highest uh, peak in australia mount kosioskos and then you sort of come back down and you, it's one of those ones a bit like norse man you have to have a partner and you have to have a support crew because the finish point is a little bit different and then they have to run the the section of the run with you as well so looks like a really cool event is, and is, john is that the one we're on epic camp where there's a photo of you gordo and class and at the top of mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very good. And I checked the if you enter before 31st of January at 5 p.m., you receive two nights free accommodation. Wow, that's and pretty cool. And the, and the entry fee, I, th- I think it was like 695 bucks Australian. So I thought it was, uh, that looks like a really cool event. You're out in, out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere. And that's like looks like a cool event to me. So, so get on it, um, eliteenergy.com.au. Those guys run loads of different events, so they know what they're doing. So check it out. Okay, John, so one piece of news that's come out this week, if you have done your AWA and you're feeling pretty proud of yourself, and let's be honest, lots of people are, you can invest in a trophy, John, and it's a bargain. They, they, they're almost free. 
almost free, except you just got to find two hundred forty nine ninety five dollars uh, US if you're American, and two hundred sixty nine dollars ninety five if you're not American. So us non Americans got to pay an extra twenty bucks for the privilege. You can also buy yourself a uh, M dot pendant with AWA on it, and you can also buy um, a, a tumbler. But probably what tops it off for me is um, the ornamental balls, the kind of like the Christmas tree balls that you can put on your Christmas tree. They're only fourteen ninety five. With AWA on it. Yeah. I can't open the website. My internet's not that good and it's doing my head in because I'd love to see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. You can get a pint glass as well, tumbler, caps, So with, with the trophy... $249 or $269, $418 if you're in New Zealand. Does it recognise what level of AWA you are? Yes, it does. And you can get your name inscribed and everything on it. So, yeah. Wow. I wonder if I can still get one for 2014. You, John, they want your money. I guarantee mm. they want... <laughs> Let's mm. do a Kickstarter, see if John can get his trophy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, our sponsor... Athlinks.com. So as we've said, part of the show is sort of looking, going to be looking back to when we first started. And I don't know what the hell I was doing back in 2006, but there was was one noteworthy day back in 2006 that Bevan's going to remember fondly. Oh. And the only triathlon I did back in 2006 was I did Kona in 2005. Was it the Ashburton Triathlon, John? was the Ashburton Triathlon. Oh, I remember that day fondly. I, I, I think about it every night before I go to bed. Yeah, so it's one of the cool things with Athlinks is you can go back there. If you forget whatever races you did, whatever year, you can go back and say, what was I doing that year? So in 2006, I did a 15K running race, the old uh, an old Tap Road. Didn't do that well there. Then did the South Island Half Ironman where Bevan cleaned me out. And this other guy, Eddie Smith, actually won the race. We were riding along and Bevan rides up to me and... I think he maybe said something because that guy any good. And I said, nah, he's not, he's not good. <laughs> and then he rode away from us and then he ran away from us even more. So he smoked us. That was a mistake for me. That was amateur hour because it was, because I, you know, I was a slightly better rider than you at those times. Yeah. Um, and you were probably a better runner. But I, I, I just, I didn't trust my own strategy, if you know what I mean. Like I was yeah. kind of like, oh, John knows so much more than me. I'll just trust him. I'll just follow what he's doing. <laughs> And uh, and I remember after the race, I don't know if I would have won it or not, but I definitely just kind of didn't do the right thing in the race because I just kind of followed a guy who I thought was more experienced. So yep. sometimes you you know you just gotta, as much as you may have more experience than people around you, you've got to kind of stick to your plan, don't you? Yeah. Ten years ago, you cleaned me out. Any other races you beat me at? Non official races? No, I think I think we haven't raced in many races together, and I think it was two to one. I think you yeah. won two, and I won one. To, to, Iron, to Ironman New Zealand. Oh, no, did I be Ironman, Ironman New Zealand? No, no, I walked past you when you were walking slower than me. Oh, was that what it was? <laughs> yeah. It was not a good day for either of us. <laughs> and then yeah. there was the other one where we both raced extremely well, which would have been in t- 2000... Is that right? 2008. No, when we both raced in 2005 and you won your age group, we, when oh, all, yeah. the, all the people from Christchurch just smoked, I think. Yeah, Gordo was second, Klaus was third, and then I was 10th, and you won your age group, and everybody just uh, had a yeah. smoking race. Yeah, that was a good day. That was a good day. So, ten years, so that's the thing, com. Keep all those historical races, and then further down the track, you can reminisce and go back and see all those other races. I've got my... Races all the way back to 1996 on my Athlinks account. And also just, you know, we've been going for 10 years and Athlinks must have been with us for eight or nine years. Mm, they were the, we had coffees of YA on early. Yep. 
Coffees of Hawaii were revolutionary. Sorry? They're revolutionary, the first sponsor of the show. They were indeed. Check it all out, athlinks.com. Okay, guys, discussion of the week. John, you're going to have to do this because my internet doesn't like me opening pages while you're on the Skype. So last week's discussion was... In triathlon, do you think we could have a park run type of gig? And for those of you who don't know much about park run, it's a, especially a free 5K series, which is very community-based, which is put on every weekend in parks all around the world. They have maybe hundreds of thousands, I'm not exactly sure of the exact numbers, but it's a lot of people, and it's a massively successful concept. Um, and so John was just kind of curious, do we think we could have this in triathlon? And if so, why or why not? Hayden Shearman, what about holding it at a local pool with indoor trainers for the bike and a nearby 1k loop or athletics track for the run? Do it based on how much distance you can travel in a certain time, 10 minute swim, 30 minute bike, 20 minute run for example. Tony Hodge, no reason why it couldn't work, although it isn't as simple as people who turn up for park run, they just need to rock up in their running gear and go Mm. for 5k run. The main problem would be scalability if it got too popular, heaven forbid. Joe Spraggins, I think Parkrun gets so many volunteers as it's on every single week. This means you don't mind volunteering once in a while. As you know, you can just run the week after. Likewise, if you've got a race day, uh, a race the next day or you're on the injury bench, you feel like you can give back or help out. It would be much more difficult to organise a try each week and every week, thus harder to get volunteers. And obviously we know run events require a minimal sort of setup. Mm. So I think that's a really good point. It is every week. And so triathlons, you know, you might have in your local area, there might be one a month. So if you don't do it and you help out, it really reduces the number of races. Yeah, yeah, of course. Tony Hodge, um, potential distances would need to be really short, say 200-meter swim, 5K bike, 2K run. Uh, The location's always going to be the most challenging part of it. Mark Thatcher, pool based obviously wouldn't work, restricts the number and needs extended time, so outdoor in a lake. Of course, weekly events with loads of cyclists is not going to go down with the locals or go down well with the locals. So I think probably what intrigued me more about this and when I read the, the article that we had linked to is yeah, why why is this little phenomenon, phenomenon um, being successful in a time where all other sports are really, really struggling to get volunteers to to, to get involved. Um, whereas these guys, for, for whatever reason, seem to be able to get volunteers week in, week out. And I guess they probably don't need that many. Um, so percentage of field is not that great. But um, yeah, it's just it's just impressive to see. It's fantastic. But I was just wondering how we could replicate it across. I don't think it would really work for triathlon. Maybe for uh, an aquathon or a duathlon if you have a, a local um, car racing track or something like that where you can get weekly ac- access and um, you don't have to do road closures and traffic management plans and all that, then I think potentially it um, it might work. And I think maybe one of the reasons why it works well with the park run is because it's free, people feel like, they're obligated a bit more to give back, whereas when you pay for things, you're going, I'm paying for that service, I don't need to volunteer. Yeah, well, and to be honest, I've created a running business around the idea that people aren't willing to give up their time and they're willing to pay, and our business has gone really well. But it, I think, well, I actually think one of the reasons Park Run's been so successful is the accessibility point's very low. So mm-hmm. when we think about... Um, running clubs, when people think about running clubs, they think they're elitist, and mm-hmm. they think that, um, you know, and so running clubs kind of just end up with runners um and so you know because like i know lots of people who do my product which is very much a low-end kind of product 
low to mid end because we, we get people up to half marathons, but you know, like it's they'd never look at joining a running club, you know, and everything we do in our advertising is total opposite of what a running club represents. And I think that what Park Run does well is it's it's kind of the everyday person looks at it and goes, well, shit, I can at least walk 5Ks. And, mm. you know, it's that level of ability that, you know, and so then they turn up and because it's kind of targeted at a market, people turn up and they see people similar to them, you know, which makes it probably a more supportive environment. And so then, you know, I, I think all of those things are really important. I think, I don't try, I don't think triathlon could, could achieve this. There's just too much kind of logistical stuff that makes it hard. Um, and even Equathon, I don't know if you would, because swimming really eliminates a lot of people. Duathlon, mm. um, yeah, if you could have what you said, the idea of a racetrack, that maybe could work, but even then you're limited by numbers. Like you couldn't get 500 people doing it, could you? You know, on a, on a weekly basis. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. The real question is, is how do we get people want to participate in the sport in a way where they want to give back as well more often? Mm. And yeah, to me, that's the thing that Park Runs done well is the accessibility point is really, really low because you will get the the fast guy who wants to do a fast 5K, but the majority of people doing Park Run are your you're kind of your recreational runner, if not mm. beginner runner, and so. You know, and because if we look at the beginner runner, if they've turned up to park run and suddenly that they're, they're doing really well, their attachment to that group's really high, so they want to give back as well. So, and park run do some really clever things, like they do things like they honour the people who do the the work each week, and so you kind of get social recognition, and it's really important that kind of social credit I get within the group. So yeah, so interesting. Mm. This week's discussion, John. What is the best or funniest moment of IM Talk over the last 500 shows? So put your thinking hats on. We've got a few things coming up that we think were uh, you know, at least moderately entertaining for you guys. Um, but if you can think back to any moments which you thought were, were hilarious, then we'll see if we might be able to dig them out in the next uh, little period when we actually do our 10-year weekend. And also, I, I added, because I've already done the uh, website, I also added ways the show has helped you. So maybe as a triathlete as well. So, you know, just ways that the shows help you. Okay, Jombo, our first random quiz question. Yes. So we'll maybe do this question. You can have a think about it, and then we'll do the answer after our next topic. So first random question is, when was Bevan's last Iron Distance race? So when? What year? What year? Oh, okay, there we go. That's question number Hopefully one. Hopefully Bevan knows the answer to this one. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure I do. not 100% sure Because it's when I started going out with Joe. Right. So if I get them wrong, I'm... In trouble on both ends. Okay, John, statistic. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Okay, so we've been going for 10 years, John. We've had over 4 million downloads. Um, and these are some of the biggest shows that we've ever had downloaded. Uh, number one was Brett Sutton. Yeah, and not only is Brett Sutton number one, he, when, when we did the first interview with him, he talked so much that we broke it into two and uh, did part, part two. Number two. Four. The, the week after, and so he takes number two, uh, yeah, his second part of the interview is number four, and then we did interview him again further down the track, and then he's number six as well. So of our top eight show, highest rating shows of all time, Brett Sutton takes out three shows, which well, is... Well, I, uh, I think the thing though, about the first Brett Sutton interview was, because nowadays Brett's bloody everywhere, isn't he? You know, he's such a vocal mm. soul, you know, on the internet, whereas there was a period where no one heard from him at all. Like, it was just mm. a, you know... He really didn't have much of a presence, and he was a bit of an enigma because nobody really, you know, knew him. And then uh, who was it? it was one? Pretty, pretty sure it was Gary Fagan. Yeah, I think Fagan set up the interview, and so he came on the show. And, and you know, Brett's such a bloody polarizing figure, so it was a pretty interesting interview. And yeah, you know, we got a lot of downloads on that one. Yeah, 
And then the other one, which it still blows me away, is number two is Andrew Messick. So the time that we were in Kona and he announced uh, the legacy program on IM Talk, hadn't been announced anywhere else and really didn't get a lot of uh, immediate press coverage. He kind of announced it on our show and nobody else really picked up on it. I was like, it's a pretty big deal. Mm. And uh, announced it on our show, so that was uh, that was number two, which was yeah, every, pretty cool. Every year, Arcona shows are always pretty massive. We get massive downloads for Arcona shows, which is really cool to see. That number five, not quite sure why, but Sporty Doc. Yeah, Thames and Lewis, who's now got a little bubba. I saw her, her running around with her baby. Not I didn't see her. I saw her on Facebook or something running around with her baby. She's right up there, at number five as well. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Brett Sutton's number six, and then Marinda Caffrey number seven. So that was. I'm not sure which interview that was. Yeah, I'm not, I didn't write down what year. And then number eight, another, it was a fantastic interview with Tim Noakes, really. Yeah, I, was uh, I couldn't do that one. I was gutted because I, yeah. I, I was down south, wasn't I? And I just couldn't, I was, had to spend time with the family-in-law, which I don't yeah. mind, but I was like, oh, I really want to be talking to Tim Noakes right now. And uh, really, really, that was when he was on, well, he still is, you know, very much on the, the low-carb, high-fat um, diet and really trying to start spreading that influence and, I'm not saying we had anything to do with it, but from there on, it really has started to to, to snowball. Um, I mean, he's been on other podcasts as well, and a lot of other people are picking up on it. And yeah, it's really, really starting to gain some momentum now. When, when do you start your nutrition course? Uh, about two weeks. It'll be really interesting to see as you go through, because John's basically, John's training to be a nutritionist. Um, mm-hmm. Three years, or it's going to take you seven years? No, it's only going to take me two and a half now. I'm doing a postgraduate diploma. Wow, smart guy. Um, and so, you know, like, so it's going to be really interesting to see as you get higher knowledge in this area what your views are going to be and also how they educate you, you know, because, you know, it's just such a debated topic right now, isn't it? And by lots of very intelligent people. There is. And, and I was reading an article at the weekend in the North and South magazine that was comparing a lot of the, the new diets, you know, the high fat, low carb. And it was, it was ed- well educated people that were doing the comparisons. And, yeah, there's some pretty common themes that go through, you know, a lot of these different sorts of diets. And it's, it's whole foods, not eating too much, you know, the high yeah. fat, um, low, low carb, high fat, that's a little bit different to the other one. But there's a lot of commonality amongst them in terms of shopping on the outside aisles. Yeah. Reducing what you eat, reducing your sugar, reducing your carbohydrate a bit, and um, yeah, there's, there's still no one single way, but there's a lot of commonality, and and I think that's where the studies will probably go. Okay, Jumbo, random quiz question number two. Or should we do the answer to your first okay, one? Okay, okay. My, my last race was 1998. It was when we did broke together. Not 1998. It oh, 2008. 2008. 2008. Yeah, 2008 was my last race because Joe and I started going out that year. And we've been going out eight years in April, and you and I did rope together that year, and uh, and it was because I remember thinking, Iron Man's not good for relationships, and I really like this girl, <laughs> so <laughs> so one of the reasons I want to move on is because I want to have a good relationship, um, but I was also really glad that she got to experience a part of my life where I was doing that sport to that level. So it was two thousand eight. I've got my athlete because that's another good thing with athletes. I've got it there. Let's see what you did. I did eight hours. I did, 905, 50, didn't I? I did eight hours fifty one thirty. It's ridiculous when you get eight hours fifty one and you get twenty seventh. Yeah. <laughs> miles back, you know. You think anywhere else, you'd do okay. Yeah. But, uh, I did nine. I'm pretty sure I did nine five. Yes. So. I was a little worried in that race because I did see you at one turnaround and I thought I'm struggling a little bit here. Um, but 
Well, because we got into transition because I won the transition, remember? You had the fastest transition in the entire Yeah, that's deal, right. That's right. Very that's, impressive. That, that was the goal for the race anyway. So I didn't actually care about my result. But um, it was unfortunate because it was a really wet day, remember? Mm. And and so it kind of – and, and roads are very – technical course there's lots of turns and stuff and so you know my ride you know it was okay but I kind of probably lost a few minutes there and I but I remember getting out of transition and I can't remember who was there but one of our listeners no who was your mate um who did the Kelvin who did the 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 body over stuff oh yeah 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 I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. Al- Alvin Cooney. Alvin Cooney. Alvin Cooney was in transition. He goes, John's just up the road, and uh, and I thought to myself, do I chase John or just race my own race? I thought, no, no, just race my own race. And then we saw each other going through one of the little townships. Yeah. And then the wheels fell off at about thirty, and then I. But I, I was as much as I didn't get my goal time, I was actually proud of how I raced that race. So I didn't give up. I've got my splits here. I swam forty-eight fifty-two. My first transition was uh, one minute forty-eight. I was only nineteenth overall. Had a poor bike ride, only rode 4.59.19. I had a good T2 as well, yep. sixth overall in T2, one minute 13. Wow. And then I ran three hours and 18 seconds. Didn't quite crack the three-hour barrier. Oh, that's a bugger. And there you go, Bevan. You went 9.05.41. See, this is a great thing about athletes. So what did I swim? Did I swim 53, I think I swam? I'd never be able to find the stuff on here, race details. So you swam... I remember, I remember I was really happy with my swim. 53.39? Yeah, I was really happy with that because that was the best swim I'd ever have and like you, a, I wasn't expecting to be that good. You bike 4.55. Yeah, so yeah, I was disappointed so in my bike because I was expecting to go maybe a 4.50 or 4.45. Yeah, we both rode poorly. Yeah. So you, so I took yeah. it too easy. In the first half, I took it too easy and then some guy passed me and he goes, Chad, I didn't expect to see you and I thought, oh, he's a good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, then, and then the second half, I picked it up but I probably a bit too easy early on. And then you did... Impressively in that transition, 54 seconds first overall in a race that's got thousands of people. Uh, very impressive, and then ran 312 for yeah. a total time. Because I remember thinking on the run, because I think I'd done a 308 in Taupo. I remember thinking, all I need to do is beat my, if I can beat my personal best in you know Ironman marathon, I'll be able to to beat this. And I just for the life of me couldn't. Was get Porno it. there? Yeah, I remember Porno was there. Yep, you ran 1027. Yeah. Yeah, so was there. Nick Nose Rose, he was there, he went 9.42, Ross Muir went 9.42, Mark Tinkner, Des Atkinson, the Seagull, he yeah. went 10.42. Oh, John, these were the days. Remember the days back in the show, and you know, we talk about our training each week. People used Glenn, to love that. Glenn Russell, the Jersey modifier. Yeah, I, I went to running with the balls with him, remember? Yeah, 12.51. He believed he did the nudie on the gondola, I was crapping my pants and the police were going to get us. It was a slow day. Chorborn Sinbali won the race in 8.16. Which is very slow. Oh, that's slow for, very slow right. for road. There's my nine hours. Yeah, I would have done eight thirty. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, we we could say that. But on the the girls' side of things, I wonder where I can get to girls here. Oh, because they're blinded, didn't they? But then uh, the girls smoked it. Yvonne Van Vlerken and Erica Chalmore just. Uh, I came off the bike with them, and they just pants me on the run. Mm. Absolutely, they ran like two fifty five or something. Yeah. Anyway, that was 10 years ago of Bevan's Racing. Next random quiz question. I don't know the answer to this yet. I'm going to okay. have a stab at it soon. Who won Kona in 2006? So our first year of podcasting, who won Kona? Okay, so the year I was there was 2004. It was, um, it was uh, Stadler. Stadler. And then it was, it was I believe, um, I was talking to you. So I think it's a Stadler again. It's either okay. Stadler we'll or come back to it in a couple of minutes. Oh, we're not going to do it now? We'll come back. Oh, okay, we'll do it now. So have a think. Well, because I think Ready? it's Alexander. Because we think in the last 10 years, Alexander won three. 
two or three. Three, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, and in Mecca 1 2, mm-hmm. you've got Pete Jacobs, uh, Fadino, Keenlay. I'm um, going Mecca. No, because Crow won it before Mecca. No. Yeah. No, okay. Here we go. I'm scrolling. Here we go. Scroll. Okay, wait, I've got to say where I'm going to go. You're going Mecca. Yeah. Settler won it twice. Did he win it the year after? Or did he already won it the year before when, when I was there? I'm going Settler. Or, or Crowey, but I'm going to say Settler. God, I'm useless. Where, where was it? How embarrassing. You got Stadler. Yes! <laughs> yes! It, it was a year when Macca came back with that storming run. He ran 246. Yeah. Uh, and he came up about a minute short. So Norman Stadler rode 418, which yeah. is about 11 yeah. minutes quicker and he was than miles everyone. Yeah. Still ran a 255, which is pretty respectable. But uh, Chris McCormick ran 246, and then Faris Sultan was in third. So and then, and then, and then Crowley won the next year, did he? No, I knew I knew Macca got it before Crowley. Oh, so Macca okay. won the next year, and that was Crowley's first race. Okay, Crowley got then second. Crowley went on to win it. Then he won it again. Then, then Macca. And then Macca won again. And then Crowley won it again. And then it was Jacobs. Yeah. Okay, let's see if we can get through Jacobs. Then it was, was it Freddie after Jacobs? Yes. And then it was, was it Keenlay? Yeah. And then Fredino. You do listen to what I say. Every week, mate. I go home and take notes. Yeah. 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 So not bad. It's probably better than I thought. Well, I won the competition. I won the quiz. So. Well done. There we go. Okay, one, two, three, four. High five. High five. We're doing the high five on the funniest moments or some of the defining moments in the show. Um, Jombo, let's let's do this now. What we're going to do at the end of today's show, we've just got a couple. Th- we're going to put in three funny bits that we've had from the show. And to be honest, peeing on the bike's actually not that funny in retrospect. No, we're quite serious about yeah. it. So number one yeah. was peeing on the bike. We did it in episode eighteen, and we were quite serious about it. We were a bit, bit funny, but we were quite serious about it, was, it. We were trying to give really good advice, and um, but it was a defining moment in the show because it kind of blew up on the internet at the time, and it got us a lot of listeners because we. At that time, it was such a taboo subject, wasn't it? Mm. And there weren't many podcasts around, so... No, don't don't, 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 don't downgrade us. (laughs) (laughs) We ended up on CNN. (laughs) Yeah, so you're going to put that insert at the end of the show. So I'm going to put three clips in. We're going to do the Blender Challenge, uh, which is one of the high fives, then the peeing on the bike, and then my story of of me banging into the mini, because even listening to it yesterday, I'm crying with laughter. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so you you lose the plot. It's gold. <laughs> so we yeah. So these are our funny moments. So first one was uh, peeing on the bike. Number two, Bevan. Well, Peter Reed. We we did have Melina early on, but we kind of knew Melina, and, and our first big guest was Karen Balance. Mm-hmm. But they were Kiwis, and, and we knew them. And uh, but when we got Peter Reed, that was pretty cool. Mm. That was very very cool. And I remember a few years later. We're doing the coffees of Hawaii boat out in, on bloody in Hawaii. That's mm. me. But four or five years later, and Peter Reed swims out, and he goes, and we're just doing an interview with him on the boat. And he goes, "Oh, you're the, you're the guys who interview the funny guys who interviewed me." And so, <laughs> yeah, it was quite nice. Uh, number three that I came up with was in 2009 was our first uh, Kona gig, and probably out of a lot of the stuff that we do, I think Legend stuff's great. But in terms of our Kona coverage, I think that's probably the some of the best work we do over there. And in terms of the way Bevan is just able to go and shove the mic in front of people after the race and just getting those really 
raw interviews of the of so many of the top ten athletes and, and non top ten athletes I think has been some of our best work. So two thousand nine was our first uh, first gig to Kona and a special thanks to everybody who's contributed to the show over the years financially in terms of A, being able to pay for us to get over there and then uh, more, more lately um, becoming part of the patrons program and it sort of pays for us to be able to go over there and do that stuff. Yeah, it, it, we've learned over the years too, John, because that first year we went, we were doing 24-7, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Efficiency, we biked, we didn't get a car because we are both car. so cheap, so we biked everywhere and we just did it all the wrong way. It was They were long days, weren't they? And Belinda Granger, for people who have been to Kona, she stayed right up this big hill. If you go up past um, past where, like Safeway and all those shops up there, miles past there, and we got up there and we just were drowning. Dripping, yeah. Just it was lucky it was Belinda because she's pretty cool. Imagine if it was someone who was a bit kind of funny on it. Yeah, so... Then uh, number four, when, uh, we've already talked about this day when we had the Andrew Messick an- announcement interview, uh, interview when we announced the Legacy Program, or he announced it, uh, and I thought that was a really big moment for the show. Uh, and then number, number five, five is the Blender Challenge, which is which again we're going to put on later on the show, but it is it's it, it was that was very funny. It was Blender just didn't quite yeah, cut it. it was, your, your, your bit at the end where you had to concede defeat was was quite. You were very humble. I, I had to say. <laughs> And then uh, something that I know a lot of listeners have really enjoyed over the years uh, have been the epic camp interviews, and uh, and I think especially when Bevan was was doing the camps, uh, they seem to be a really unique part of the camp. Hearing from uh, some pretty fatigued athletes doing some some crazy things, and you know they're not pro athletes; they're very good age groupers, um, but just hearing the ins and outs of guys going for things when there's nothing really on the line other than a jersey and uh, and you can't put it up on Athlinks and, and yeah, it was uh, they seem to be a really cool part of the show. Well, I think the thing that worked with the Epic Camp, you know, when I was able to spend that time doing it, it was that it was two things. It was almost a little bit like reality TV with the races within it. Like you remember the Del Campo and Mike Montgomery mm. and, you know, they were quite, they were quite, there was a bit of a drama that would happen and <laughs> we were able to kind of show that in the show each day. But then we we're also able to sit down with, real people going through this kind of massive journey and so you kind of got there was a kind of nice blend of sharing some pretty phenomenal life experiences and lives of triathletes but also kind of sharing the drama of the camp because it is a pretty dramatic experience and mm. you know in some of those camps like those guys would bury themselves eh mm. Absolutely. So, absolutely, John. Okay, so that's, that's our high five. Just one thing I will say, John, but I, as much as these are kind of defining moments, I know for me, like, I love doing a show, and, and John Bo and I, we're, we're mates, but it's not like we spend much time together outside of the show nowadays because mm. we don't really mm. train much together. But it's funny, I write a journal every night, and I've done it for years, and, and pretty much every Tuesday, one of my highlights, because I always finish the highlights of my day, is sitting down doing a show, and it's just, I just love, you know, John and I, we, we're kind of, we are we are bloody Bert and Ernie, but mm. it's um but it's just really fun recording the show. Like I really just enjoy that time. It's heaps of fun. So nice. Yeah, love you. Wendy. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Yeah. Okay. So next segment is what was happening when we started in two thousand and six. And there's going to be a bit of a theme going through this one. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> interesting, isn't it? So basically, what John did is he went back to the show notes because we've got an archive of, of our show notes, and uh, and he just looked at some of the things, the topics that we were talking about at the time in in the first year basically so the first show was actually on april the 9th 
Um, so I, I, unfortunately, I was in Auckland because I was going to actually go grab my diary and read what I wrote in my diary that night. But oh, yeah. yeah, but unfortunately, I'm not here. And so April the ninth, we are actually going to be in the middle of our ten year anniversary camp. Um, we've got a good number of people coming for that, so we'll be biking to Akaroa and back on our official tenth anniversary. And kind of ironic that also ten years later, now we've sort of well, last year it was and in blending into this year, we're seeing the the formation of this um, pro, triathletes pro union or trying to form it and trying to get a bit of traction. Kind of ironic that 10 years ago, Olaf Shabustis was single-handedly trying to set up the pro triathlon union back there and for a variety of reasons didn't get it off the ground, but it really was one man, a one-man band thing and 10 years later, we haven't really made any progress. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to achieve. Ironman wetsuit changed to blue 70 10 years yeah. ago. That was a big thing, wasn't it, too? It was. And now, is it, who has the, the Ironman brand with their wetsuit now? I don't know that anybody has. Yeah, it was not quite sure. Yeah, that, but that, at the time that was a big thing because I mean, brand wetsuit was was a big brand, Huge. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anybody but then like, in saying that, Blue Seventy's obviously did a good job. Yeah, anybody was like Blue Seventy. What's all that about? Seventy yeah. percent of the, the Earth is covered in water. Exactly. Uh, one thing that I just random, a few other random things that I picked up along the way, um, and I was listening to us talk about this. WTC at the time had Ford as one of as their main sponsor for the Ironman World Championships and also for a number of the races in North America. And they did some wind tunnel testing in the uh, the Ford wind tunnel, and they, they actually reduced the drafting distance. And it was actually at 2005 because I raced Kona as a pro, not that I was a pro standard. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought you were going to win it. I thought that year when, when Lee Farris was taking off, I thought John's got a chance. <laughs> but they actually reduced the drafting distance. It was a huge uproar when we were at the, the pro race briefing. They're like, what the hell are you doing reducing the draft distance? This wind tunnel testing they did said from, they didn't give specifics, but they said from 5.8 metres draft distance between athletes is not really any significant difference and on that particular show Bevan and I were talking about going when we ride at 5.8 metres apart there is a still a pretty significant difference obviously it's not the same as riding on someone's wheel but we know that at 5.8 metres you're still getting a good gap that's one of the things that has evolved over over time especially now with challenge you know having this 20 metre drafting rule at some races but um yeah it was funny back then they were, were shortening the distance rather than increasing so, and what, what did they what did it go from 15 to 10 no it went from uh it went from it was either 12 to 10 or 10 to 8 or something but it was um and what's it back to now uh it's 10 now isn't it i'm pretty yeah. sure it's 10 yeah wow that's um, pretty crazy yeah, show 13 the- is show, no show notes says bevan's partner was just getting out of bed yeah, so it's a way, the way we used to have the show notes is on um, iTunes is Bevan and sort of cut and paste things. Yep. So show 13, Bevan just put in there, no notes as my partner's just getting out of bed. And then, and then uh, so professional. There's, there's another one further down, no show notes, it's late and I need to go to bed. And then there was uh, show 36, it's late and I haven't got time to put the show, the show notes. Uh, that would have been Annalise, Annalise, mate, those are 10 years is a long time. It was a bit of a theme going through the year. Oh, it's funny. I went back and listened to a, a couple of shows because John and I, <laughs> A, we're cheap and we never really tried to advance things that quickly. And so it must have been the first almost five years we used one microphone. Mm. Yeah, and, and you can kind of tell <laughs> it's pretty poor form. Yeah. Uh, back back then, we had Try Dubai was the big team of the time 10 years ago. And, and that was set up by Ferris Ferris, wasn't it? 
No, no. Try Dubai was was pretty much they signed up all the rock stars. So you had Stadler, you had Cam Brown, you had I can't remember if Peter Reed was on that team. Um, but they pretty much just pretty much did what um, Bahrain Endurance did, but it was very much iron focused. So the majority of the top iron men and iron women were on that uh, Try Dubai team, and it was very much a marketing ploy for Dubai as opposed to what they're trying to achieve. And they were trying to do a tour. It was for tourism, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So ten years ago, that was big. Being well, what was Ferris one? Because he had a team as well, didn't he? He was Abu Dhabi. That was much smaller. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, uh, show twenty. There was the first mention of about Lance going to triathlon. So it was ten years ago. He would have been. We, everyone was loving Lance still, weren't they? Mm. You know, yeah, and that was that was very exciting news. Yeah. The idea of Lance going to triathlon. It took quite a while for that actually to to happen, but there was talk about it on one of our shows. Uh, Ironman UK and ten years ago. I, I do remember this. Diet Coke on the run. Yeah, what a cock up that is. <laughs> China got cancelled in 2007, so they cancelled the race here. And China never t- t- take off, did it? No, but 10 years later, that I, uh, when I was on the Ironman website yesterday, WTC returning to China. Uh, there's going to be a 70.3 over there, so not Ironman, but uh, they're heading back there 10 years later. Wow, October 2006, we did a tips on how to survive an earthquake, as in not Christchurch earthquake, but... Uh, the earthquake that happened in Kona that year. Yeah, it happened just it was a it was a week or two before the race, yeah, and not everybody was there, but a lot of the overseas pros and stuff were there, and it was um it was a reasonable sized quake, and yeah. so we thought we'd do tips, and uh, I wonder if we actually listened to what we said and actually no. used those. Well, that's one of the only things we should have done the high five was all the support you guys gave when we did the when we hit the earthquake in mm. Christchurch. You know, you guys were well, the listeners and lots of people within the sport just supported Christchurch so massively. Tyler Hamilton racing Silverman. In the team, and I, and I don't know if he did it or not, but it was in the show notes that he was scheduled to race Silverman, and that was the race back then where they had a huge amount of money on offer for a team to go under eight hours on a ridiculously hard course. Yeah, ridiculously hard course. Was he in that team with the marathon runner? Remember, the, so basically, what they did is they set up a team was like an Olympic swimmer, Olympic rider. Olympic marathoner, and the marathoner basically did a two forty marathon, and he was mm. like a, a two ten guy, and he couldn't do it. Mm. Remember? Wow. Yeah. And he cracked. Yeah. yeah. Show 31, Hal Tao, was the age group of the week. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Number show 32, this never happened, but it would have been fascinating if it did. WTC were thinking about dropping the cutoff to 14 hours. Mm. Yeah. But they, at some races, it is less than 17 hours. So I know Ironman Germany and Frankfurt, that's less than 17 hours. So it does happen. And then uh, Mark Herrimans uh, retired from winning the handicap after winning the handicap or the hand cycle. So he was the guy who was a pro athlete yeah. who had had a bad, very bad car accident and then came on as a as a disabled athlete and won it quite a few times, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember how many times, but yeah, it was like one year he was in the top 10. I don't think he was in the top five, but I think he was somewhere in the middle. And then, yeah, he got, I'm pretty sure he got uh, knocked off his bike and that's in, in, and spent the rest of his life in a, in a wheelchair and uh, went to Kona a couple of times. Uh, I, think it took, it took, I think it took a couple to actually get it and then he finally did win it. And uh, yeah, it was in the show notes. That was 10 years ago and he was looking to retire. I can't remember if he did or if he made a comeback, but he certainly won Kona. Can you remember your life 10 years ago? Like, I know this is show specific, but what was your life like 10 years ago? Because 10 years, that's a long time. Yes, well, I'm celebrating um, our 10-year wedding anniversary this year. Wow. So, so there was that. Didn't have kids. So, yeah, no, life has changed a bit in the last 10 years. 10 years ago, I was, I was with Annalise. Mm-hmm. Didn't need much longer for- after that. Must have been the show that influenced me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Conveniently located around the corner. It's one big change that's happened in the show. I now have to bike up a great bloody hill to, yeah, to do the make, show each week. Help me make you fitter. Ten years ago, what else? My daughter was only, yeah, my daughter would have only been eight. Um, wow, yeah, that is crazy. Ten years ago, I was still doing group fit. I'm still, I'm still hanging on there, John, just. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, far out. Ten years. So we were in 28 when we started. Mm. Another 10 years, mate. We're going to be 48. Well, I would have been 40. I would have been 30. Oh, man. Oh, where do we start? Okay, guys, where were you 10 years ago? Eh? I wonder mm. how many people were still listening who actually were there at the start. Maybe if you're on, maybe if maybe we'll put a post up on Facebook. Were you listening from the start? How many have been right from the start? Because I remember the story I often tell was we put out the first show and it made me realize how big the internet was because, you know, everyone's got the internet. The first week I got an email from a guy in Mexico going, yeah. oh, man, I found this show and I really like it. And I was like, wow. And, you know, yeah. and so I wonder how many people have been with us, you know, pretty much from the start. Nice. Mm. So, anyway, it's, uh, what's, what, what's up next? So I'm website of the week. Ready? Three, two, one. Website, website of, of the week. week. Okay, it's our race guide. It is. It's finally here. Tell me about it. It's Tony Hodge, You're the legend rock. that she is. Has uh, basically done this single-handedly. We have a link, and we'll put a link on our actual website as well to, to get through to this. But it's called uh, IamTalkRaceGuide.blogspot.com.au. So Tony's a Christchurch girl who is based in Sydney now, and she put up her hand to, to volunteer to do this. So really, what we're trying to do with this is uh, try to have it as a good list of uh, all the different Ironman races around the world, and and obviously have links to their courses and maps and things like that. But also to try to give you guys um, perspective from some of the listeners on things that you're not going to see on the race website. You know, you get, all the race websites are going to say, this is a fantastic, beautiful place. Everything's fantastic. The accommodation's lovely. The sea's beautiful and clean and, and everybody should come and do this race. Whereas we want to keep it a bit more real, give some good practical tips, things for the kids to do, etc. Um, and so it's certainly not a complete guide at this stage and we want to keep adding to it. And Tony's said she's happy to do that. Um, so yeah, go and, go and check it out. But like, for example, this weekend we have the Israel Man and we've got that race listed um, uh, on the site and you've got a website link and a, and a YouTube clip and then tips for, for actually how to get there. And obviously this one's security is um, can make things a little bit more difficult. Um, some training tips. So in the Israel Man, um, one word to description for the run, plummeting. Uh, and it basically says the first 10K is straight down the side of a mountain, nail blackening speed as long as you're not breaking too much with every stride. Then it turns into laps uh, of Elliot hugging the Red Sea coastline. So some tips, learn to run downhill and think about your footwear. You may want a more cushioned heel. Um, tips for the supporters, stay by the sea. Um, and then tips for, for like what to do with the, the kids and stuff. So go through there and um, if you want to do a little bit of an investigation on whether a race is right for you, check it out. Um, and if you find a race that you want to do that that's not up there, then uh, and if you go and do it, then give us a bit of feedback and uh, we can get it up there. Like Keltman's up there and the Castle Triathlon Series, the Bastion, um, lots of different challenge races, Norseman, tips on that, the Outlaw, obviously the challenge races, different Ironman races. So, yeah, check it out. It's great resource, Iron- like really great resource. And, and thank you so much, Tony, because uh, these things take a lot of time. And, and also thank you everybody who went to our website and contributed to that website. Um, as John's saying, there's probably 
some store work to be done just due to add in races that we haven't got on there. So if you are, if you, you know, if you are going to race, check it out because I imagine there's some really good insight. It can save you many hassles and, and just give you some inside knowledge before you go to a race. So check it out. But at the same time, if you see there isn't a race and you go to there, just chuck um, go on our website afterwards and, and sort it out because that's a cool resource. Mm. And, and something we want to just keep on top of. Obviously, Ironman take over a bunch of challenge races on a weekly basis and sometimes vice versa. So uh, we'll try to keep it updated. And if you sit and, and if there's a race already listed up there and you think you'd like to add to it, by all means, um, add more stuff. You know, if you know, right, there's heaps of do this with your kids, go to this cafe, this restaurant, this is where a really good bike shop is. That's the sort of things you're not going to see on the event website. Then that's where really we want to have our. Yeah, are you there? You cut, out, mm-hmm. you cut out a little bit at the end there, John, but that's all right, we're back. Okay, so the website of the week is iamtalkracequide.blogspot.com.au and I've got it on www.iamtalk.me. Jonbo, uh, well, let's do sponsor first. Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Tell me about it. It's your lactic puffer, but tell me what you've got to talk about, Jonbo. Yes, yeah, so I just, it was interesting. We, we talked about this guy once before, but the the guy who did the 100-mile American record, Zach Bitter, and he they had a little clip on there on, on how he uses extreme endurance um, in both his training and racing. So if you don't recall, he basically ran seven-minute miles for 100 miles, finishing in 11 hours and 40 minutes and 55 seconds. Which is American Ks, record. which is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, so, and he's a, like a lot of... Um, endurance runners uh, he's very much following sort of the low carb diet um, but he was explaining how he uses the extreme endurance products I've got to say above everything he's got an amazing mullet Bevan oh really <laughs> do, do you know what's funny I was, I was at work yesterday um, and uh, it's funny 10 years ago I probably had the mullet because I was at work and they were pulling out some old photos that they used for some resources within Les Mills and it was literally when I was at the height of my mallet, and it's, it's pretty bad. And I was like, you really don't need to use those photos anymore. And they go, oh, no, we've, we've got a few more years out of these photos, so <laughs> it ain't good. So anyway, he, he follows a low-carb diet, and um, how he uses extreme endurance is he actually uses Fuel 5 strategically in training. So whilst he's following a low-carb diet, he's realistic that when he's doing long and intense sessions, he does need some carbohydrates. That's really where he uses the Fuel 5, and it's got the different um, carbohydrate types of carbohydrate in there that give him sort of sustained energy, which I thought was interesting because I know a lot of you guys out there are trying to work on a, a low-carb diet and a higher-fat diet, and we have got a guy coming up in the next couple of weeks to talk a bit more about this type of thing, how you can actually... Um, race and train with, with less carbohydrates. And then um, he, what he also does is uses the Hydro X um, on hot days where he's doing really intense workouts in terms of his uh, electrolyte replacement. And then he uses extreme endurance. And as we all know, that's a fantastic lactic buffer and, and aids your recovery. So it's pretty much how this dude, Zach Bitter, does it and uh, gets a good, good little dose of carb from the old uh, Fuel 5. So check it, if you want to check it out, go to xendurance.com and they have fa- on their Facebook page, they've got a little video clip of him telling you all about it. Okay, guys, xendurance.com. We've got an interview coming up with Sarah Gross. Sarah Gross? Sarah Gross. Yep. We ask her about that, don't we? Sarah yep. Gross. Um, and she's got a lot to talk about, so here she is right now. Okay, guys, uh, on this week's show, you will have heard many things, but one of our, our interviews for today is with uh, two-time Ironman champ from Brazil and Mont-Tremblant, along with loads of other podiums and race wins around the world over what's been a pretty long career. Um, Sarah Gross from from 
you got to tell us all about yourself, Sarah, in a second. <laughs> you know, no, it's just wrong, John. <laughs> you've, lived in, you've lived in different parts of the world because you've got the, the Canadian accent. And I know you've lived in, uh, when I was going through your results, you've got all these Scottish results in there as well. So you're going to have to tell us where you, you reside don't sound Scottish. No, no, it doesn't sound Scottish at all. So, Sarah, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. I love that you guys picked up on that, that I'm kind of from nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, I am Canadian. Uh, and I did, I did a, race for Great Britain. A, a yeah, yeah, you can tell from my accent. Um, and I, ra- I did race for Scotland and Great Britain at the beginning of my career. I lived there for many years when I was doing my PhD, and I was on their national team, and I stayed. So um, that was that's the Scottish piece, and I also have a Scottish grandmother. So I spent most of my twenties in Scotland, um, but I am a, a Canadian, and I live in Canada now in Victoria. But you've also, that's why I was getting all confused as well, because you've also spent some time uh, living in the Middle East as well. Yes. So I did most of high school in inland from Dubai in a little town called Alain at, uh, at a high school there. And then my family lived there for 20 years. So I called that place home for many, many years. Mm. Um, and as you said just before, you've done a PhD, and I think that's sort of relevant to the to the topic we're going to discuss today. So maybe tell us a bit about um, your area of expertise. Right. So I did actually, living in the Middle East is kind of what triggered me to end up doing my PhD in religion. I studied world religions for my undergrad and my master's, and then I became really interested in history. So I did, I actually studied Judeo-Christian history, and I read uh, Greek and Hebrew texts. Um, not because I'm religious myself, but I'm just so interested in that side of things. I find it fascinating. Um, and, and during my undergrad and master's, I did study Islam quite a lot and also a lot of Buddhism, which was really interesting. So it kind of tie. It, there are a lot of ties into my interests, even though it's not directly, you know, I didn't do my PhD in Bahrain or anything. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah when, you're, when you're studying in that area, what are, what are you thinking you're going to be doing long term for a career? I thought I was going to be a professor in a university, okay. you know, that I was going to do. Yeah, do research and writing and teach. And then triathlon just derailed me, you know. Mm. Do you think you'll go back so, to a um, post-triathlon? You know, it's an option. I've been – I still take courses at the university. I take postgraduate courses quite often or I audit them and I'm in touch with – we have a – at the university in Victoria, we have a department for international relations. It's sort of this mix of – politics, religion, history, and people come together, there's conferences and stuff. So I think I'll probably stay involved with that at home a little bit, just in terms of staying in the academic community, but I don't think I'll go back and be a professor. Mm. So um, one of the main reasons for getting on the show today is you've recently joined up with the Bahrain Endurance Team, and uh, and good old social media, trial by social media, you've had uh, (laughs) had a few people on your back. so really keen to understand sort of why you joined the team because I think, you know, a lot of people look at the Bahrain team and other teams in the past and they go, fair enough, those guys are going for, for a money grab, they're going to be getting looked after really well and uh, and good on them. But obviously there's a lot of other people in, in this particular circumstances that are criticising yourself and, and others on the team because of the, you know, the accusations of, um, what's been going on in, in terms of um, quelling social uprising and human rights um, abuses and so on, which, you know, you're, you're probably in a position to know a hell of a lot more about that sort of stuff than we are. So I guess, yeah, the question is, what, why have you joined the team, especially when, um, you know, you probably would have understood there would be a little bit of a public backlash? 
Right. So, yeah, obviously I didn't go in with my eyes closed. I knew that there was going to be some issues. And honestly, one of the reasons I just, there's many reasons I joined, but one of them is that I feel that that discussion and the focus on the discussion around His Highness and what he may or may not have done is very myopic in terms of all the other things we could be talking about with sport in the Middle East, even in the political situation in Bahrain in terms of history, all these opportunities that this team brings for us to have discussions around these things and to talk to people and, you know, do triathlon together and talk about doing triathlon together. And we're focusing on one thing. Now, that said, um, that one thing is is pretty big. So, you know, um, I think the accusations uh, against His Highness, I feel like I'm not in a great position to know uh, what is true and not true there. Mm. And I think that that there's a lot of sort of political, historical, there's a lot more that goes into that, even that little question about his innocence or guilt than any of us really can imagine. So mm. even when I go to a sort of academic papers about the current political context of Bahrain, you know, that is just a very small piece. I mean, I've, I was—I struggled to even find an academic paper that mentioned His Highness at all. Um, I mean, people, there's so much going on with the with U.S. politics, with the ge- geographical situation of Bahrain in terms of its closeness to Saudi and Iran, and anything that happens there with that royal family is just in this quagmire of kind of political muck, you know, that unpacking it is really difficult even for someone who wants to who sets out to do it even for an academic can't figure you know can't get to the bottom of it um and so i just think and having lived there this is this is the key point too having lived there i've seen how the press functions there you know and how it's just a little bit different in terms of how people talk about things. So I've seen all the Twitter accounts of the people making the accusation, you know, I've Mm. really gone far and wide to try to figure out what's going on here. And at the end of the day, I decided that, and and one of the reasons I decided to join the team is because I recognize that nothing happens in Bahrain outside of it being at the behest of this family, Mm. right? That's just the way it is. They're in power for a reason, which has to do, you know, historically with with the British being there. Um, currently, it has to do with, you know, American and British influence trying to keep, you know, keep, what would you say, calm in Bahrain. Like, keeping Bahrain stable right now is super important for Middle East politics in general. So mm. there's so many things going on. And those accusations are just this tiny piece in the puzzle And if you have, you know, I have to look at the contract that I'm being offered on the bigger context of what this team is trying to do and assess whether I think that is a good thing in that context or not. And and ultimately, I decided, so that was a really long answer, but it was a big question. It's a big question. (laughs) It's it's Um, great because it's um, it's so so easy for people. I I saw your article, the um, interview you had on, Wits up, um, a woman in triathlon one, and, and some guy was just slamming you. And I thought, well, I kind of thought you, you've got a, a really unique position having been there and, and spent some time there to make a, a hell of a lot better informed decision than other people that maybe read uh, one one paper out there on the internet somewhere. 
Right. And I, I really want to be part of broadening this discussion, not just about the politics, but even about how sport functions in relation to those politics. There's so much to, to talk about. And I felt well, really well placed to be part of that. And I felt that the team is doing a lot of good things that are not being disclosed because of the way this conversation has gone in the media. And also there's opportunities for me in my little way, you know, to do what I think, you know, I can do. So ultimately I decided to join the team. Cool. With you, um, you know, if we look at your history and your academic world, you've definitely taken, you know, a pathway towards understanding humanity, I suppose, in some ways. Um, has, it, has it hurt the kind of criticism you've got? Because obviously, you know, people have looked at it and just basically said greed has made you make an ethical choice that, uh, you know, has maybe made you go against what you would be your morals or something that's maybe be the criticism. So is it, does it hurt even though you know deep down or you feel deep down that it's not what's driven you or, you know, or, you know, you, you get what I mean? Yeah, I do. It, it's a really good question. The place, the only place it's really hurt is if there's someone who is close to me or who I thought maybe should listen a little more to the, the kinds of things I'm trying to do. Cause I think this, in terms of broadening the discussion, I, I feel like it's only just getting started, you know, so I'm kind of dripping a few things out, but I have quite a lot to say on this topic. So, um, it's just about being patient and that I actually haven't been on some of those forums lately. Um, so I don't really know precisely what people are saying. Um, as to the greed piece, it's really interesting because this is, because my contract actually isn't that big. It's, it's kind of funny. And, and one of the reasons I, I took the contract is because it was kind of part time in a way. So I'm, you know, I'm doing some media content for them and I'm racing for them in a few races. Um, but I also have other projects that I'm doing and I, and I really wanted it to be, to be part of the balance of my life and not, you know, I, I'm no longer that full-time professional triathlete who's just training and racing. Um, it, although I am still training and racing at a, at a professional level, I'm not, you know, there's a difference between trying to win and not trying to win. Mm. So it was sort of important for me too, that this thing doesn't take over my whole life with the other things I'm doing. And that's why I was quite happy to see something that looked, you know, that on paper and in terms of the money is very part-time. So that whole greed piece is just, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I can just say, I can just tell you the truth and people will either believe me or not. So what evidence have you seen over there that the team's actually making a difference? Because when we look at, say, Try Dubai or Abu Dhabi and stuff, you know, their, um, their, their mission seemed to be to promote those areas for tourism. And this, this is a completely different setup where they're, you know, obviously Bahrain, everybody knows about Bahrain in the triathlon world now because of the race, because of the, because of the team, but that's not really their objective. So on the ground there, um, do you see them actually making much of a difference? I do, actually. One thing that's, that's – there's a couple things I've seen, especially since I've joined the team and now I understand the inner workings as well, is that those members of the team, the elite athletes, are actually kind of pseudo-famous now in, is in Bahrain and also in the Emirates. So there's articles about them in the paper and you have that kind of thing happening where people can – the stories are getting out there and people can be inspired by them. Um, the other thing is the way that the um, bonus system works, that now this year they've cut out um, kind of the development team in terms of 
the elite development team and they've there's going to be more money going trickling down to the Bahraini national team so a lot of it is really I mean I know that at the beginning his highness was talking about pathways I, I don't know what that that equates to in Arabic but I suspect it's a you know it seems like an odd word in English pathways but mm. um it, it just in terms of his language using those pathways to get for money to get into the Bahraini national team and also to support people who want to be active in Bahrain so those things are happening with the team and also I see them in terms of bringing me in wanting to you know just have someone who wants to talk about it as well and do more and some one of the things I'm doing is writing for example in English for a Bahraini um, you know exercise fitness magazine just just things like that that um, are now happening and they see the need for that so there's there's a lot of things happening actually if you know in your time in this team uh, when you get to the end of it what would you have hope, ultimately hoped to have achieved mm, good question it's pretty I've always wanted to go back to the Middle East and uh, being able to do this through my sport is pretty cool for me but I recognize there's a limit to what I can do my contract is a year so if I could you know broaden the discussion about you know women in sport in the Middle East sort of bring some stories to light there I have some interviews already lined up. If I can write some good content that's going to be, you know, for Bahrain about endurance sport and fitness and health, that would be great. And if I can even just a little bit help move the discussion away from, um, you know, from innocence or guilt of one person on a certain human rights abuse and talk about the broader context of Bahrain the politics, if, if we can move that discussion a little bit forward in the triathlon community and how it relates to sport, then that would be huge. I mean, I don't even know if I could do all that, but that would be huge. Um, so before we discuss a couple of other things in terms of triequal and your sort of racing plans, any, anything else you sort of wanted to cover off on on sort of the Bahrain team or, or what your sort of hopes are for the team or, or anything else that um, you're trying to get out there in terms of, um, yeah, the message you're, you're trying to get to the tri community? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's come out of this process for me the last couple of weeks is that I feel like the Twitter bullying should stop you know <laughs> that that someone should just stand up and say okay enough is enough let's listen to everyone's side of the story because at the end of the day I know not everyone's going to agree with me and not everyone would make the decision that I made in my place but I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons for me and I think and there are other people I've seen other people go through this kind of thing where they haven't been able to tell their story uh, with the press and, and our sport is just too small for that and we shouldn't have it and it's always been a nice place <laughs> to hang out mm -hmm. <laughs> to triathlon. so I, I think that yeah I think we should really think about that um, not just in terms of me I don't care bully me but stop bullying people <laughs> mm. so a um, cu couple of the other things that you're involved in is you're the president of um, Tri Equal and we've had uh, Joycey on the show a few times um, discussing things around that. So 
where, where are you at with with Triequal and um and getting fifty women to Kona and and where are your sort of efforts um, really lying at the moment? Because we obviously, I think it was last week or the week before, we had Ironman come out and sort of announce their their scholarships and um, their Tri Club grants and what have you. Um, they're taking a completely different tack to you guys. Um, so where are you guys at and and anything you're sort of looking to to get out there in terms of Triequal at the moment? Um, well, one of the things, one of our initiatives, Equally Inspiring, where we collected coaches from around the world and paired them with women who either couldn't afford coaching or didn't have access to it for one reason or another, um, that initiative turned out to be way bigger than we thought it would be. So we have now 50 women being coached for free. And we're one of the things we're doing with that is trying to tell those stories. So our first blog on that was posted, I think, a couple days ago. And so we're hoping to continue to create community in that way, connecting the top to the bottom of the sport, you know, the coaches mm-hmm. to beginners, the pro athletes to this, these lines of communication that have come out of the 50 women to Kona discussion have been fantastic uh, in terms of what's happening on our Facebook page or just emails we get from people. And so we're hoping to make good on some of that, some of that stuff and connect people and continue that way. Uh, with 50 Women Dakota, I'm actually in LA today and the Triathlon Business International Conference is starting this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on a women's panel that, um, a women's panel and I'm representing Triequal here. So I'm hoping little things like that, the discussions happening on, you know, behind the scenes, you know, I think we've, we've got our message across via social media fairly well. And we've created that community, as I said, but now it's time to sort of dig in and talk to the right people and really find out what the roadblocks are with getting equality in Kona. Mm. Well, um, would WTC be attend? Or you, you may or may not know, but would WTC attend um, the TWI conference, or they just uh, do do their own thing and don't care too much about what everybody else is doing? No, they're here. Messick is speaking tomorrow, um, and Barry Siff, head of USAT, he's speaking tomorrow too. So there's there's actually there's a huge list of people here. I think having it in LA brings a lot of the North American crowd anyway yeah. uh, to a nice location. So I'm looking forward to chatting with a few people for sure. Cool. What, do, what, do, what do you feel was the the next step for you guys? Because if we look at your kind of um, awareness, you know, as you say, social media wise, last year was pretty big. Um, you know, it's, it's again getting building momentum again. Uh, what do you feel is going to be the steps that are actually going to have an impact moving forward? Yeah, I think in terms of 50 women to Kona, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think being one of my goals and our goals has always been to be super informed about equality in sport and what what equality means in sport and how it can help move sport forward. So trying to get position ourselves in the right place to have those conversations about what it could, even with business, you know, what it could mean to expand the conversation to include more women in in marketing side and how having equality at world championships can actually affect the business of triathlon we need to really come up with all of those reasons and be able to present them to the right people 
so you obviously um, got a pretty busy schedule there with Tri-Equal doing this um, <clears throat> Bahrain stuff. And I also noticed on your, your, your website that uh, you've got a birthday coming up in March. And so you're born the same year as me, which means it's Young. a pretty note- noteworthy birthday this year. Um, <laughs> what do you, you, mean, you mean our 29th? Yeah, your 29th, yeah. 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 <laughs> same as last year. Uh, so what are, your, what are your sort of racing plans for 2016? Yeah, good question. So I broke my foot at the end of last year. So I'm just just coming back to running, uh, and I couldn't ride obviously for a while. So I'm just starting to get fit again. Um, this trip now I'm on a tri- a big trip, and I'm in LA, and I'm going to the Middle East, or I'm going to Dubai as well next week. So that will set my fitness back a little bit. But I think I may I'm gonna do some 70.3 races, and I'll probably look to an Ironman at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna try to qualify for Kona. I'm just going to try to be fit for a couple good races where I can sort of execute well. Uh, one of them will be the Victoria Half at home. That's a great race and a great place. And I may do, you know, I'll go to St. Croix maybe. Some of the races that I've done and I've loved, you know, where I have a great homestay and I have people I want to see, I might just focus on those ones and get fit. So that would be Monterey, St. Croix, Vic Half, and maybe Arizona Ironman at the end of the year. Very nice. When you went Ironman Canada, you know, in 2014, was was that the buzz because it was the home race and it was also the North American Championship at that time, but was it pretty cool winning, the you know, your regional race? Mont Tremblant. Mont Tremblant, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, that was amazing. I mean, it just the way just the way people got behind it. I said this on a, another podcast recently, just having, and it's French there, right? So mm. having my lead cyclist, uh, say Sarah Gross, Plumiel Canadien, you know, and everybody cheers in the crowd. That that felt really cool. I didn't. I think I had underestimated how good that was going to feel to win at home, but it really was special. Nice. So, how many more years do you think you've got uh, in terms of racing at the? You know, the, you obviously said you you're not the the consummate professional in terms of going out there to win loads of races and win world champs and stuff. So how many more years do you think you've gotten you in terms of racing um, in the professional category? Oh, good question. I think, you know, if I wanted it, I think I could have a few more years. We see a lot of, especially women racing into their 40s, that fitness, the strength, you know, the strength endurance side, you mm-hmm. guys know your coaches, right, um, can can be maintained, you know, well into your 40s. So I think if I want to, I could keep going as long as my expectations are set in an appropriate place. I saw Natasha Badman's on the start list, I think, for... Uh for, for Dubai this weekend for the 70.3. She's Really? Yeah. yeah. So she's still going. I don't know how old she is, but she's getting on. Awesome. And if people want to follow you, um, what are the best means to do that? So my website is sarahgross.ca. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Sarah Gross. It's pretty easy. I'm just Sarah Gross everywhere. Nice. I'm on Instagram, sarah.gross. So. Awesome. Oh no! Well, look, I really enjoyed um, reading your point of view on um, some other interviews you did around this whole Bahrain. Um, uh, I don't know um, adventure that you're on, and um, and, it, and I certainly feel it's enlightened me. So hopefully, it's enlightened some of the the rest of the audience today. So all the best with your season, and um, we look forward to hearing a lot f- more from you during the year. Yeah, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate you. Um, having me on and asking the hard questions and listening as well. So thank you. No worries. Okay, Jombo, we're back. Your thoughts? Uh, it certainly changed my perspective on on things a little bit um, in terms of the difference she's trying to make and the way that you look at 
politics in the Middle East, and she's a hell of a lot better authority on it than us. But it is a complicated old mess over there, and it's really easy to put the boot in, but it's a pretty complicated situation, and, and good on her for trying to focus on making a difference um, rather than just, as she sort of said, being really myopic and just focusing on one issue that most of us are, are probably never going to know the, the true answer to. Yeah, yeah, and far out when we look at her body of work, as in academically, mm. you know, this is a woman who has probably better understanding than, than the majority of people listening to this um, mm. on this topic and in this area. So, you know, if anything, you want someone who like in, in a position like this. Who and the thing that's really nice about her is, you know, she's on this team, but she is, you know, she's not kind of scapegoating she's not kind of just downplaying she's actually coming to the forefront and saying well you know here's why i'm doing this and you know and so you've got to respect her you know you still might not like what she's done and that's your choice but um you know sometimes you've got to be in the fire to create the change so you know nice it's a good work okay jombo let's talk about just a couple quick things um before we do our patrons on my other podcast, I have a really good interview this week, which I think a lot of people will enjoy. Um, it's with this guy called the, who, who wrote the book called, his name's Professor Mark Cropley, and he wrote the book called The Off Switch, which is, it, it, he's basically spent his whole academic career studying stress, and, and he talks about the cost of stress on our life, and particularly kind of work-related stress, and how um, the kind of health effects of it but he, it's a very good interview and he has some really good insights so if you know you are someone who in particular can't let work go uh, check it out it's, it's com. it's on there you can't really miss it it's called fitness behavior um, I think a lot of people like that and also John I'm going to be going to London I'm going to London in March and I'm thinking maybe on the Sunday that I'm there we could have an IM talk run so um, I'll, I'll let you guys know closer to the time um, but you know, maybe not not too early. I don't want to you know get up too early, <laughs> but maybe a mid morning, early morning run, or like a, like a ten o'clock in the morning. We can you know you locals because I know we've got lots of English listeners, and everyone says, oh, if you ever get to England, come you know let me know. And so I'm let you guys know. That's and if good. someone years ago, here's here we go. Someone years ago worked in Formula One and they said they could do some hot laps with me in a Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're still listening and that's possible with London, I want to do it. So just just put that out there, Jumbo, nice. our patrons. Got a few new ones this week. A Warren Agent Smackdown Sutherland. He's a Kiwi fella, four-time Ironman finisher, five-time World Triathlon Champs age group competitor, coach, world traveler, thought provoker, oh, Agent he's a Smackdown. Thought provoker. He's a good, yeah, he's a thought provoker. We've got Matthew Regan. You've gone, oh, Regan, I, what, this is a good one, John. The president. It's a, it's a, we've had him before, so Matthew's the president. Yep. And this is one that I was like, what the hell was I thinking when I did this one? But it was, yep. it was a while ago that we did it. Um, how Dolphin. And I had, how now, brown cow? Dolphin. And was it purely just because it was like Dr. Zeus? I don't know why, where I came up with this how now, brown cow. But as it turns out, how now, brown cow is a phrase used for teaching to demonstrate rounded vocal sounds. Each oh. owl sound and phrase how represents... How now, brown cow? cow. An individual diphthong, although not use, in use today. The phrase "how now" is a greeting, short for "how say you now." Oh, and there we can go. be found in archaic, archaic literature such as plays of William Shakespeare. So, how you may think this is a silly name, but it actually makes you look really uh, intelligent. I think. Yeah, and it helps you to educate the world. And you could could just call yourself. You could get rid of the now and just call yourself Brown Cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How now, brown cow? 
Sounds good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Okay, guys. So if you want to become a patron of the show, and again, as we were saying earlier in the show, you know, one of the big reasons we get to go to Kona is that those people who have chosen to become patrons. If you want to become a patron, just go to www.imtalk.me. It's all there on our community pages, and uh, we can rock on and keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for all of those people who have supported the show over the years financially because we know that it's your hard-earned money, and, uh, you know, we put a lot of work into this show, and so your support really, really means a lot. Jombo sponsors... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. <gasps> Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And you know who you are, you bloody rock. John, but we'll do what we're gonna do is we're gonna wrap it up for this week. Yeah. And then the nice thing is is the car story finishes with Kia Kaha. Right. So we'll basically do we're gonna put three clips on. We're gonna do the blended challenge first, because that's kind of funny. Then the high five on peeing on the bike because it's more serious. And then we'll do the, the car one because it finishes with Kia Kaha. So what's your goss? What's my goss? Just finished, uh, yeah, as I said earlier on, just finished a bunch ride. Then we went away on a camp for four days, sort of oh, Thursday of through Sunday last week. It was, uh, we haven't talked about the weather today. Oh, you talked about it being hot in Auckland. Yeah. Man, we just had this four days of just cracking weather, sort of 30 degrees every oh, day. Nice. It, was, it was a little bit too hot and a little, few people got a little bit roasted, <laughs> but... Uh, did a half Ironman simulation on day one, and then day two, the guys rode between 140 and 180 k's with a lot of climbing. Yep. And then day three, had a swim, three-hour run in the heat of the day, and then a little spin. And then day four, we had the traditional ride back from Hamna to Christchurch, which is about 100 and have one of those days where it's tailwind, it's downhill, oh, and just it's a great smoking ride. it. Oh. So I didn't participate in a lot of the training, did little bits and pieces here and there, but I did manage to get on the train for about uh, half an hour on the way back on the final day and good old the holy hammer Murray Lapworth was on there, <laughs> just had everybody crying on his wheel going about 45k an hour <laughs> and uh, it was a good, good way to finish the camp. The holy hammer only really has one gear, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you need to learn a little bit of the other gears leading up to that kind of max out gear. Yeah. So it was all good. Uh, so that was pretty much dominating my week last week. Okay. Well, for me, John, I'm up in Auckland and uh, doing my, my Les Mills work. It's always nice when you're doing a good job because there's not much stress. I'm not that stressed right now. So as long as I keep doing my job well, I shouldn't be too stressed. Um, not much else really, John. Not much else. No, no. Just just ticking over, John. Just Is there any, uh, any good stuff? No. Just working, John. Working hard yeah. for my money. Goodness me, you've got I, a tough life. I really have. You know, yeah. I know, world poverty, then mm. my life. You know, it's, it's yeah. tough. But I, you know, I stick at it. Team, nice. 10 years. It's pretty cool that you guys have been supportive of what we've done over the 10 years. And, and we're very lucky because you guys just give us so much amazing feedback saying how much we've been a it's part of. It's not 10 of. years yet, Five, 500 shows. I know, but okay, well, okay. Well, I'll do the, so, 500 shows. Okay, so what? Yeah. Do we do a 10 year? So we don't want to overhype it yet. 10 years is the big one. 10 years is the big one. 10-year weekend, we'll have lots of contribution from people on the camp, and we'll do a little bit more reminiscing as well. Okay, so watch out for that one as well. This year is just going to be us celebrating every week. It's like your birthday every week. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. We're not going to do the Kia now because it's going to come. the clip's coming up later on. You guys rock. Here is our first clip, which was the Blender Challenge. What, sorry? We're going to do the Blender Challenge because oh, Joe yeah, has yeah. to go. Yep, yep. Okay. So how are we going to do this? 
Well, I'm gonna, I've got some fruit here. Why don't we bring both our blenders in here now? You get your blender set it's up. It's going to be pretty noisy. We're going to have to be a bit careful. No, we won't, we, won't, we won't record when we're pushing it on, but we'll put yeah. all the ingredients in. Yeah. So you get your blender set up, and I'll talk about you doing your blender. Do you want me to get the names, or do you want me to do my blender? Oh, well, can't you do two things at once? I You're a typical man, you are. You're a typical man. I cannot multitask. Okay, pause the show. Let's get the blenders out. Okay, blenders are coming. Oh, mine's already ready. Mine doesn't take long. Here we go. Okay, team, so you may hear some background noises right now. John's in my kitchen. He's looking like the, the good woman that he is. And he's chopping up the... What are you, what are you chopping up now, mate? He's got the pears. He's chopping up pears. And he didn't get pineapple from a tin. He's actually got real pineapple. What are you thinking, Joe? Oh, I think it's going to taste beautiful. It's going, well, he's got celery, babe. It's going to taste like crap. So he's now chopping up... What are you chopping up now, mate? Pineapple. Pineapple. He's got, so you've got pineapple. Do you actually buy real pineapples, do you? Real pineapple. Real pineapple is... <laughs> Do you, take, do you keep the middle bit in there? No. Oh, good. That's good. No, he takes the middle bit out. No, my bananas. No, his banana was weak, so we actually used one of my real bananas, which proved to be a good strategy after all. So he's got banana, he's got cucumber, he's got pineapple, celery, and a pear. Anything else? You do put water in there, do you? Did you I haven't got ice. Do you want me to put some frozen berries in there? Because the flavour's not that good. Okay, anyway, I'm going to be back in a second, guys. There was just a little bit of an update. Okay, so we'll, we'll bring it. We'll be back in a second. And what we'll do is we'll have the, um, we'll put the blenders on and you'll hear the background noise. Here we go. We're back in a second. Okay, so we're back in the, we're, we're kind of in the studio. So we've brought the blenders into it. We've taken a photo and Jombo's got his blender first. He's going to go first and I'm going to do a commentary on his. And then I'm going to go second and he's going to do a commentary on mine. Okay, John, you ready? He's turned the blender on. Starting to do something. John's not doing anything. What's happening? It's not blending. I need a shake. <laughs> He's going to shake it up. It's not blending. <laughs> it's not blending. <laughs> it's not blending at all. with laughter so it did blend eventually but it did take a couple shakes just needed three shakes <laughs> three shakes yeah, you may laugh now wait till okay, we wait. see what happens now my yours. turn John's got to commentate on mine wait a second okay so, so wait oh what's he doing what's he doing now no no you got, I'm going to do mine okay. Jeepers, creepers okay wait a second so here we go I'm going to do mine John's going to commentate it's just a nice gentle gentle green colour there's quite a bit of fruit in there not enough water there's no blending going on with Bevan's either there's no blending <laughs> There's no blending, he's shaking. It's just not happening. Oh, no, he is getting a little bit of movement now. Yeah, he's movement. Yeah, yeah, it's happening. Oh, it's done a lot better than I thought it was going to do. I'm interested to see. Yeah, a little bit longer. A little bit longer. He's, got, he's actually got, it's performed better. Let's see what the consistency's like when it comes out. Oh, he's given a little extra pulse. A little extra pulse. Okay, here we go. Okay. We're coming, team. We're coming. Okay, okay. This is great podcasting. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. I have to say, that was the highlight of my day. <laughs> that was the highlight. Okay. So Bevins did perform better than okay. I expected. It did perform better than expected. I don't. Wait, so you're gonna pour in mine now? I think I've wasted five hundred dollars. 
you want to try my, or just you try mine? Okay, I'm going to share the same cup. Okay, that's all right. I haven't got any bogeys. Okay. It's not bad. Not bad. It tastes bad. the celery pretty strong in there. Yeah, you can taste celery. I have to admit, there are a little celery bits in there. <laughs> What's that there? What's that there? It's pineapple or celery? A pineapple. Okay. We're just going to taste this. I know this is an yeah. amazing podcast thing. Yeah. Again. Okay, here's my here's my honest okay. conclusion. Yeah. Yours probably breaks it down a little bit better. It does. But I don't know if it's 500. <laughs> no, I, I would tend to agree with that. I need, <laughs> because I need some harsher ingredients for you. They did do well with the celery. I, was, I thought the celery was going to be the cruncher. $69, John. Mm-hmm. $69. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, I'm still happy with my smoothie. I, 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 think, I think, if we're going to be honest, I think you lost the blender challenge. Uh, I think I produced a better smoothie. I think slightly better, but not not hugely better. Not hugely definitely better. mine's got strains in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mine says little strains. Yours is more consistent. Mm. If we throw a bit of ice, a bit of frozen stuff in there, yours might struggle a bit more, but it did perform pretty well. Yeah, pretty happy with that, John. Good. I have to say, the fact that it took you three times to get yours going was the highlight. You were shaking yours like crazy. Oh, admittedly, I was. Yeah. 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 Um, that was good. That was good. But. <laughs> um, so then what do we have next? We got oh, one, two, three, four, half, five. Yeah, Bevan, gave, Bevan pops me an email last week. Um, I need some ideas for high five, and he says, "Right, we're going to do peeing on the bike." Peeing on the bike. So they're pretty yeah, but, straightforward. Yeah, tips. but well, this is a big thing because some people—it's a choice you need to make yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, like me, I'll pee on the bike. You know, I'll pee in the race, basically. I'll, you yeah. know, because I—I don't want to lose time going to the toilets. There's a lot of people who are disgusted by that thought, <laughs> um, which is fair enough, I suppose. We've all got our own standards, but um, to me, in a race, I don't want to lose three minutes going to the toilet, and exactly. so. Um, so it depends on where you're at. If you're just there to finish, you stop in the toilet, that's totally fine. Whereas maybe you are trying to win your age group or you're trying to get a Kona slot um, or getting a goal time where... Uh, I said, bugger it. Everybody should pee on the bike. Yeah, pee on the bike. <laughs> Come on. Although I remember the first time I did it, it was it was quite a hard thing to do. Very challenging. Yeah, it's actually go. really hard to do. And I'd never practiced it. You know, you don't yeah. really go out on the, your training rides and practice yeah. peeing on the bike. Which is exactly why we're giving it just a few little basic tips. Yeah, um, nice. So number one... Uh, is hopefully you'll know the course a little bit um, before you go into it, and hopefully it is maybe a little bit undulating. But try to wait for a downhill section, um, so then you can uh, just a little bit easier. You can stop pedaling and uh, and just chill out. Yep. So so downhill section is where you want to try and do it ideally. Um, number two is stop pedaling, and also with this one, I found <laughs> through experience is actually to have one leg down, one leg up. Yeah. Um, so you, you're stopping pedaling and you're actually having one foot lower and one foot higher and that way it seems the angle just seems to work better. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Working those angles. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three, relax. Just just, just yeah, relax. Yeah. Don't worry about losing. Uh, you are going to lose, you know, maybe 10, 20 seconds yep. um, just by slowing down. But put that in perspective, if you got off the bike and you stopped and went to a toilet, you're probably going to lose, like Bevan said, you know, a couple of minutes. Yep. So, um, you just, you, and to be honest, you, you may need to be, go for three Ps on the bike. So, yeah. you know, if you add that out, that could be 10 minutes to your race. Um, best not to do it with full, two full drink bottles. Yeah, so, you know, there, there is a little bit of... Uh, if, you, if you're wearing bike pants, it tends to go straight down your legs, but yeah. girls may be a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, if you've... Probably the, not an ideal time is when you've got two full drink bottles. You may get a little bit of uh, overflow there and a little bit of uh, yeah. on, the, on, on, on the, the drink, drink bottles. bottles and, problem, uh, yeah. and that's that's not too nice. 
Uh, you want to do the last one? Last one. Um, it's a fantastic way. <laughs> oh, this is a shocker. <laughs> if you've got wheel-sucking bastards behind you, um, don't wait for a downhill. Just let rip and you'll get rid of them pretty quickly. Yeah, you'll lose them. You, Just... you quickly find out. Um, See, this is what an experienced coach can give you. <laughs> Uh, a great way of getting rid of people if it's a nice hot day and somebody's biking along behind you they start feeling a few little trickles of water coming on their face and they look up and they, <laughs> oh, and they, re- they realise you're not taking a drink we've just gone to another level haven't we <laughs> it's a fair chance to I will, I will give can... a couple more serious tips um, it may take a little bit of time but you will stand up in the seat and it, yeah. it, it's not a natural position so it may take a bit of time and you have to put a bit of pressure down in that area to actually get it out once it starts flowing it's not a problem um, whew <laughs> 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 Got to keep focused. And lastly, actually have a, a water bottle. So when you know you're going to go for a pee in the next aid station, grab a water bottle. And then once you've done your pee, because it will go over your pants, pour the water over your pants in the area that where it's done. Um, it's generally water that's coming out anyway, because that's what you've consumed a lot of. But oh, that way, it's, it, at least it's a little bit cleaner. That way. <laughs> <laughs> keep those hygiene standards up. Oh, you know what, John? Did you see it down by my garage? Yeah, some building going on in there. Somebody else hit it again. <laughs> really? <laughs> so we've got this pole. We're gonna. So how do you describe your house? We've got a house, and then split level split on the side of the hill. <laughs> you did really well then. Yeah. I wouldn't have seen that. And we've got we've got our top lower deck, lower lower part of the house is a garage and bedroom and bathroom, and then the top area is the main living and all the rest. Of it. And we've got a deck that comes off, and I don't know. And you move on, and then underneath it is another garage. Yeah. And the deck is supported by this pole, mm. and it's a pretty important pole. Yeah. And about about four or five months ago, someone drove into it. it wasn't yeah. that bad, but no, they didn't come and tell us. And I was, yeah. I thought that was pretty poor form. Yeah. You know, if you're going to drive into someone's house and pole, and you know, <laughs> at least knock on the door and say, "Look, mate, sorry, I did this." Yeah. Get a call the other night, and the problem is we never go down to that part of the house. Like, yeah. I, it's, the, the second garage is lower than where we need to go, so yeah. John sees it more than I do. Yeah. Because that's where you park, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so, so. Get a call from my neighbour the other night. Oh, you realise your pole's been broken again, and it was it was like it was like broken in half, like snapped in half. The deck was dropping down. It wasn't a good place. Did the people tell us? No. Youths of today, they've also done that up the road at the the Cup Cafe. Somebody's crashed into that too. The Cup hmm. crashed into the Cup. Well, one of the poles again. It's just snapped in half. If you're going to crash into someone's house... You're going to go and tell them. Knock on their door. Mm. Like, you know what? I'll pay the bill. I don't care. Like, it's 400 bucks, so be it. But... It's not happy. The table, that should be the rant of the week. That, John, actually it is. Where's the human decency? Have you ever hit someone's car and not told them? No. <laughs> never. Can I tell you a really funny story that was not going to put me in a good light? It's, it's time sticking on, but yeah, go for it. So years ago, John... Now, this is... It's wrong what I did, but I justify it to myself. You justify it every day of your life. Every day. I'm parking in the park, and you know sometimes you get your park and there's a gap between the two cars, which is too small. Mm-hmm. Very too small, which is fair enough. So I'm parking in this park, and there's a – so what happened was the gutters here – this is great podcasting, by the way mm-hmm. – and I parked there, and there's a, there's a park that's probably half a car size mm. in front of my car before the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, or the driveway, you know. Yeah. So – no one could park in front of me, but the person behind me had less space, so it was all I could do. A mini mm. parks. No, it must have been a mini park behind me. So it must have been behind me that was the gap. This mini parks behind me because there was enough of a gap for a mini, mm. but they parked so close to me that I couldn't get out. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't get out, John. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing I could do. Yeah. The, seriously, the gap was two millimetres. I'm thinking, what can I do? I need to get out of here. There was no gap. There was not enough of a gap. I couldn't even 3.2. Even if I did yeah. 100 3.2s, yeah. I couldn't do it. So I think, well... 
Maybe I was good Maybe a bit of a nudge Oh I would have now, now John The mini isn't some Crappy old mini It was someone who was Obviously Done up a mini And made it yeah. back To original form It was a classy mini So I get in the car Put the car in reverse and, and I got a bit of a bumper bar Yeah You know So, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, Not a bumper I mean a uh, uh, tow bar, oh, tow bar. Tow, tow bar. Oh, So I thought I'd just get the tow bar and get, and so, so I put it Delicately Yeah Because I knew the person Getting out of the car Delicately back up the car Push it Just slightly Give it a nice Slightly give it a nice, yeah. slightly, nice. Sweet Okay I've got enough space Start to move forward the, my, 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 what does he call it? Tobo. Tobo. He got underneath the mini's bumper. Nice. No, so, so, so the mini's attached to my car. Nice. <laughs> so, so, I'm stuck there with this mini's. This mini's stuck to my car. So I think, what do I do now? Classic podcasting. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> the bump of oh, came off the mini. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I just tripped. <laughs> These guys were looking at me. I gave a wave. I'm out of here. Got it sorted. Oh, that's oh. a good one. <laughs> I took no responsibility for that. I would have done the same thing. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, they're fine. You got a mini. Give a get. This if you're missing, missing a bumper back from 1987. Seriously, you know where to find it. I drove away and the, the, and the bumper's on the ground. And I just, oh, I'm just, these guys looked at me. I gave them a wave and away he went. Never got in trouble for it. So, but I don't take ethic. I, don't, I wasn't in the wrong, was I, John? I don't, I don't believe you were. <laughs> no, I think you're all good in the hood. Oh, there you go. This is my mini story. There you go. Okay, John. You let's keep that up. one wrapped up for seven years. Yeah, it was just not the kind of story you tell people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just told the whole world. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Do a fitness, want to do any of your fitness behaviours around your behaviour on that day? Ethically, what should have yeah, I done? What, yeah. what, what was the other option? There was no other option. No. No. no I could have waited. Mm. No. But they made a choice, John. They, they made the choice. They made a choice that made me made a choice. Mm. John, let's wrap it up. Ayn Russ. I mean, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick, Kick up. Up.